This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Rows and flows of Blondie's hair. The Sarge is mad. Should Beetle care? There's speaking animals everywhere. <laughs> the therapist is away. Garfield hates the morning sun. Kathy's mad at everyone. <laughs> so many things that Hob had done when Calvin got to play. I've laughed out loud at far side wow. cows from Foxtrot and Zitz and Crankshaft somehow. Let's all take a memory trip to the funny pages and comic strips. Wow. Kent, ah. did you really just do Joni Mitchell? <laughs> A Joni Mitchell parody of both sides now and turn it into comics? So I was like, what's an intro I can do? And I can't think of one. Far side. Both sides. Both sides now. Far side cows. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way my mind works. That's how parody works. Kent. Oh, oh, okay. Good I'm job. learning Good something. Job. Welcome yeah. to Bacon Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our summer movie preview where we talked about movies that are actually maybe possibly coming out this we summer. Hope. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Over on Twitter, we had a couple of listener who submitted their lists, including Ryan Farron, who said, glad to have the summer preview back. Movies Yay. that... Yay! Movies I'll make an effort to see. Quiet Place 2, In the Heights, Black Widow, and Coda. Hey, you won someone over with Yay. In the Heights. How fun. Movies all over with Coda. Here we go. Movies I'll avoid, in parentheses, seize your list. Wait, yeah. the good yeah. or bad list, yeah. or both? See... I think he. May, I think he's agreeing with us. That, uh, that, uh, I'm just saying. Just see your lists. It's, no it's one all of them. lists. No one wants to see Space Jam too. Nobody. Then Drew Cutler says, uh, "My list of movies I least and most anticipated this summer are least favorite: Space Jam Two, Cruella, and Peter Rabbit Two. Most anything in theaters. I want to go to theaters again. So I mean, that's really just that's yeah. a low bar yes, to please. hit. I agree with them on their lists. I want to see movies too. Should yeah. be fun. I'll finally watch stuff. Should be fun. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? I got to be honest with you, Joel. I don't. I I sing about it. I don't know what's <laughs> I happening. I sing about because it. Because I don't know what you okay. just sang about. I didn't know the song. I didn't Let's, know the topic. Wait, you didn't know the song? No. <gasps> We're talking about comic well, strips. Actually. Sunday comic comic strips. Yeah, comic okay. strips. These are like Batman, what right? Is a, <laughs> what is a comic strip, Zach? It, it's... Um, where would you uh, go ahead? I thought of, I thought of a clown doing uh, no hey, hey family friendly <laughs> family friendly, <laughs> family friendly. Uh, I guess this is the thing in the paper that you see on the floor what's, in the what's bathroom. the paper it, it's a the, the thing that are you a bird now once a month <laughs> the Gab, paper on the floor around children <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know story. listen to father Joel yes. back in my day the news was not on a computer screen no no they would Print it onto pieces of paper, fold those paper up, make underage children get up at the crack of dawn to throw them at your torch, and then you would open them up, and there would be headlines on the front of these newspapers that would tell you stories about the real world. But the smart children would look in the corner and see where the comic section was. Indeed. And flip open to that and enjoy at least a half hour of goodness so, so good is this like the you remember those highlights magazines the only thing you ever did was you looked at the the find the hidden items those page? were in waiting rooms <laughs> yeah it's like that but with, with news before phones yes yeah. uh but guys can we talk about phones phones are great <laughs> no no but with comics really there was it's funny because when we were talking about doing this show mm-hmm. 
we were like, well, why would we do comic strips right now? Like, is there anything happening in the comic strip world? And I said to you guys, I said, <laughs> there ever? the longer we wait yes. to do this category show, the less relevant this will become. Well, this is definitely one of those shows that we're not getting any new listeners from. No. I don't feel because Joel, you and I, this is, and I feel like many of our listener, this is something that appeals to us because it's something we grew up with. It's something we, yeah, the paper's here. This is a nostalgia trip. Yeah. And you'd open it up and you'd read maybe a half, uh, half of the comics because maybe yeah. only half were good. Half hour is probably generous. These probably, I probably totally through these in like 10 and, minutes. And with every meal, I'd have the newspaper open. Like yeah. it was smart, but I was really just reading the funny pages, nah, the funny pages. Exactly. And Zach, you have no idea. What kind of life this this evening you is? You really never read the comics in the newspaper. I mean, I've seen them, but you I, know, you okay. never sought them out. No, no, I mostly saw that. Like, I, I guess I saw them in the paper, and I was like, I don't get that joke. Or I saw them like a clipping on someone's fridge, and I'm like, okay. Ziggy, that's what they call me. <laughs> Pickles. Are we, I like them. <laughs> They're very good. So these these have Zits. no. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> no recollection here. No knowledge whatsoever. Nothing. But wow. then, if we were to say something like Garfield. That's a TV show. Yeah, yeah. But you, but you know Garfield. From, the, from Charlie, Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's okay. from the TV show. Spider-Man. From the TV show. Dennis Mary, the Menace. From the TV show. Mary Worth. What? <laughs> so, Miss Butterworth's uh, sister. I, right? This, this uh, word association thing is weird. Why? <laughs> yeah. so we are, it all uh, makes sense somehow. We, we have like we have a series of categories we're going to be talking about. But before we do, I want to get into a little bit of the history of comics. Oh, yeah. Please do. All the way back to the Biblia Papernum. Papernum. Oh, what? Oh, my word. Please say that again. <laughs> the Popper's Bible. Okay. Uh, that's this easier. was uh, back in the middle, uh, later Middle Ages, which is, you know, it's all the Dark Ages. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's for you, Kyler. This was a Bible that they would do pictures and they would tell story, bi- biblical stories in pictures and they would have scrolls coming out of people's mouths to say what they were saying in different parts. I love it. That is like, and there is like, there's some tapestries that told like wars and it told it. You could kind of read it across and see that. Hmm. So that's kind of the, the forerunner of what a comic strip was. The first newspaper comic strips actually came around in the late 19th century in North America, it's kind of where they became a thing. And uh, one of the first newspaper strips is actually one called The Yellow Kid. Okay. Which is a turn-of-the-century theater of the city in which class and racial tensions of the new urban consumerist environment were acted out by a mischievous group of New York City kids from the wrong side of the tracks. Which And this was satire? Is meant to be humorous? Yeah, it, it was Yeah, a little bit, little satire of what was going on, a little tongue-in-cheek, talking on social issues. But it actually, The Yellow Kid is actually connected to the term yellow journalism, which is sensationalized mm-hmm. news stories yeah. to sell papers. And okay. this became kind of a thing where these comics commented on that. And also newspapers became a thing where it was like, who had the better comics? Who had the most sensational thing going on inside their paper? Wow. Now, the Glasgow Looking Glass, the Glasgow Looking Glass, as I'm going to call it, was the first mass-produced publication to tell stories using illustrations. And it satirized the political life of, of Scotland in the 1820s. And then from Scotland, we move over oh. to Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. And we get Rudolf Topfer, who lived in Geneva. He's the father of modern comic strips, and he created the adventures of Obadiah Old Buck. And that kind of like all built up to what we said in the, the newspaper wars, as they called them. What's his name? Uh, Pulitzer, Pulitzer versus yeah. Hearst. And they both had Pulitzer and Hearst. They think they got us. Do they got us? No. I've never seen that either. Newsies? Nope. You've never seen Newsies? I saw the play. 
I'm not watching Batman in a musical. This Open is the coach and seize the dude. This is Zach. I think. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're anti newspaper. I am. Yes. Why are you anti? Did you ever use silly putty to roll the comics out and like pull them off? There's no moving pictures in a. Did newspaper. you ever have a pet bird? Once. Did it have newspaper? I don't remember. That's not the point. <laughs> So I would get my dad would cut my hair Santa. and I'd like kneel on newspaper. Santa Fe. So, <laughs> Santa so you got the 1920s, okay? You got these newspaper wars, and it became that's when comics kind of became the big time, and they were. And were they big time? Because I think when we read comics, it just seemed like it, it was like a, a passing thought, right? Maybe there were a reason that people were to subscribe to a paper. Well, except for the fact that they were like people would subscribe to these newspapers for the comics mm. and newspapers would want to have certain comics and people would not subscribe to it from about the 1920s to the 1980s. Ah, And then when television and movies and radio became much more forefront, they kind of syndication became a thing. Yes. Oh, so now, you and I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Yes. And yeah. that's so we're just saying there's hope for streaming services to do the same thing. <laughs> that's kind of what it's sounding like, right? Exclusive content. Yeah. Yeah. But they have all sorts of uh, comics. Uh, the strips are not always funny. In fact, there's one guy who preferred, Will Eisner, who wrote The Spirit. He suggested that sequential art would be a better name for comic strips because not all of them are funny. Like they are not funny on purpose or they're just not funny? Yeah, they're dramatic. Because they're not funny. Well, it could be both. Uh, Zach, let me explain something to you. During the week, yeah. you'd get kind of the black and white mini versions, like maybe four panels or okay. a single panel. And then on Sunday, uh, you'd get the full color comics. Okay. Where it was like, that was when it was, yeah. that, that was the sweet spot right there. Yeah. So, for example, every day, so we'd get the Deseret News, and every day I'd find the Today section of the paper, and I'd turn the back page of the Today section, and a, a, a full page and a half were taken up by comics. And those were all the four panel black and white. And then Sunday, like you said, was the best day. Mm -hmm. Well, we say four panel too. I want to I want to clarify a bit for those for those Zacks out there. Uh, <laughs> please please hope there's all no you more. Zacks. Four squares, usually in a horizontal line, telling a story. Each one, like very simple, and and a very simple joke told. And it became a very formulaic. Everyone did the four panel comic. Yeah. Some people messed around with it later on, but we'll get to that when we talk about them. Was this the circus family? The family circus. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> the circus, circus family. family. Don't <laughs> run away with them. <laughs> Kent, by the way, since yeah. we're talking about this, do you have any idea what the longest running American comic strips are? Can you name any longest running American comic strips? I just want to say Prince Valiant because it seems so old. No, not on the list. Beetle Bailey? Not on the list. I have no idea. They are in uh, from 10 to 1. Okay. This is according to Wikipedia, the source of knowledge and truth. Yes. Number 10, Little Orphan Annie. Oh. Ran for 86 years. Ooh. Did she ever find her eyes? I don't know. Hmm. Number well, nine. She ever not and I also wonder if you've heard of any of these. You've heard of that yeah, one. Yeah, of course. Okay. Number nine, Bringing Up Father. No. Well, it ran for 87 years, Kent. <laughs> uh, Ali Oop. I've heard of that one. <laughs> Have you? Yes. It's been running since 1932. Still going. Back to Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Number seven, Dick Tracy. Yeah. Number six, okay. Blondie. Yes. Yeah. Number five, uh, Thimble Theater slash Popeye. Oh, so Popeye. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Number four, Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. Mm, okay. It's been running since 1919. Till when? Now. What? Still what? going. Number three, Ripley's Believe It or Not. I'm walking on air. <laughs> Number two, Gasoline Alley. Yes, I've heard of that one. You have? Yeah. I'd never heard of that. And number one, the Cats and Jammer Kids. Oh, those darn Cats and Jammers. It ran from and the a, Silver Spoon. I don't even know what Cats and Jammer Kids is. <laughs> 
Cats <laughs> in the Gemma <laughs> in the Sewer. But that ran from 1897 to 2006. 109 years that comic ran. Wow. Whoa. Now, it's not always the same author. In oh, fact, cool. oh, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. It's the fountain of youth when, if when, you're a comic book, but a comic I strip like author. This, yeah. When comic strips are no longer written by the original author, they're then called zombie strips. Oh, oh, which is kind of a cool. Well, no. Well, if you think about it, though, you could write a ton of comic strips and they could just posthumously be you yes. know, published for a long time. Right. If you're only doing they could, especially the big deal ones once a week. And a lot of these authors, they will do primarily around 20, 25 years of daily and a Sunday one because a Sunday is the big deal. Right. And then when they kind of want to retire, but still be in the limelight, they'll just do a Sunday version yeah. yes. no more dailies and some of them they'll be like you know what I, i'm kind of burned out from doing this so i'll mm-hmm. tell you what i'll give you a general concept yeah and i'll give you a rough sketch you draw it and ink it and but give it, it is, to someone else it is really cool that these the creators of these comics and we'll get into each there generally is just one person who writes the jokes mm-hmm. writes every comic and draws them as well yeah and that, that's why i find it so impressive is these are Granted, they had to work within constraints, but these are sure. authors who had an idea and had creative control of what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. By the way, for most of the 20th century, there were at least 200 different comic strips in various newspapers, like at the same time, running uh. at the same time. And my newspaper, I'm guessing there were probably about, I don't know, 10 to 20. What? Only 10 to 20? I'm trying, well, I'm just trying to go through, like going down the page, and that's probably all it would fit on there. Nope. You probably had about 40. You think? Yeah, because they'd always hide the weird ones. The ones you never never looked at, and we'll talk <laughs> about some of those. But yeah, there were probably about 30 to 40. Yeah. Now, Zach, I'm going to talk your language now. Yeah. Paper's gone. People don't subscribe to newspapers anymore. No. They still are in circulation, where, but where, not as much. Yeah, where we record, there is only a physical paper on Sundays. They have now digitized all the rest of the week. Exactly. But digital is the way they're going, because they these cartoonists, a lot of these ones, Kent, that we're going to talk about today, are still available in web comic form. Mm-hmm. That you can go to a website and find the daily comic. I did not know that, and I just haven't been reading them all these years. And I feel like I kind of betrayed all those comics that I know and love. Yeah, but we're also a little bit smarter. They're not as funny. Are it's they like though? these comics are like this. They, they have the same animation, same style, but they're talking about phones and Twitter. And I just don't find that very funny anymore. I think when I was 11 and 12, I'm like, that's hilarious. But I think if you find panels. the right comic is the thing. Yeah. Because some comics, it's like parents' hairstyles. Go on. When you, well, most adults too, but parents in particular, you reach a certain age where you're just kind of in your hairstyle for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's the hairstyle you're going to choose. Right. I have reached that point in my life. You think you've reached that this point? This is basically what I had my senior year of high school, and yeah. it's just kind of gone from there. I've seen old pictures of you, Joel, and it's like, that's that's him. basically my yep. hairstyle and, and i feel like my some, hair's changing every day these yeah. some of these comics are like basically in limbo or purgatory okay where they're in the same thing forever and telling the same type of jokes but some comics that were made later they are now in that other time and they're able to be sharper and, and more sarcastic for example mm-hmm. rather than lighthearted like they were supposed to always be right so comics don't usually change in tone but i'm just saying if they were created later you might still like them yeah that's true that's the history of comics love it wow. in a nutshell so is this where Comic Sans comes from? I we don't, don't know. know that. No, but actually, if you look at it, um, I, I once used the Comic Sans famously like horrible font. If you use it in it's the context, not no. If you use it in the context of a like a speech bubble in a comic, it actually looks really good. Huh? Weird. I right? wonder if that's where it comes from. Yeah. Where anyway, does the Sans come from? It's uh, Sans, sans Serif. Oh, yes. uh, we'll save, save it for, for our font show. I'm going to have a font show. <laughs> Yay. We should tear fonts. Yes. 
<laughs> Tier one Helvetica. All right. All right. We well, have Helvetica's uh, great. I like Ariel as well. Ariel, yeah. yeah. Save it for our font show. Shahoma. I'm a big fan. Book Antica, guys. That's okay. where it's at. <laughs> All right. Easy there, Georgia. So <laughs> uh, we have 12 categories that you guys have put together, and you are going to educate me on what's going on. Yeah, so I, ask any questions. I, I'm, We're also going to try to explain the stills. Yes. Uh, like, for example, I may oh. pull out four frames, do the characters, and try to make it funny. You so are, what I'm going to do is drive everyone away from ever reading these. Joel, I don't know if you're going to oh. do the same. No, I, I'm going to try, but I'll tell you what. Explaining explaining a comic strip is like the best way to suck the funny out of it. Yes. Like if you've ever, okay, this is one of my memories, by the way, is even when I became an adult and I'm an old adult, but I would, we got the Sunday paper for free. I think they gave us a free subscription for a couple months. Yeah. And during that time I would get down and read the comics to my kids. Okay. Reading it out loud is not the same as reading it in your head. Yeah. So I'd read it out loud. It would lose some funny. And then my little kids would be like, what does that mean? And I have to explain it and it even got less funny. Yeah. But they would laugh then. So I think you're supposed to love the characters after reading it for so long and read it in their voice. And that's why it's funny because many of these jokes, one in five stick. Yeah. If that I tried, by the way, because I wanted to give some examples of what they were about. Mm -hmm. I tried to think about what joke or what story particularly stuck out in my head and try to explain that here. Okay. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So please excuse us. It's not going to work on this show. So we apologize. Join us, listener, as we take a completely visual medium. (laughs) To audio form. That's what movies are. You can at least listen to a movie. You can't listen to a comic strip. You listen to someone read them. Well, here we go. First category is read out of habit. So this is the one that maybe you started when you were young and maybe you didn't like it as much, but you still like kept your eyes reading. always glanced over it and you're like, okay, well, I'm here. Yeah. Like, like the last like three seasons of The Office. You're yeah. Still, you're stuck. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. So you just have to. Fair Joel, comparison. which one did you read out of habit? I said Dennis the Menace. Oh, okay. So Dennis the Menace was one of those Never cartoons. Never funny. I, oh, go I, ahead. I, I shouldn't say never funny because it is very simple humor. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, Dennis did something mischievous again, and Mr. Wilson's angry. By the way, created by Hank Ketchum in 1951. Here's the premise, as I put for all these. Dennis the Menace takes place in a middle-class suburban neighborhood in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> That's Okay. I, I kind of pulled that out there. But uh, Dennis is he's a rascal. Yeah. And kind of like he's pre-Bart Simpson, I'll call him. Yeah, good call. But much more family-friendly. Much more... Because even though he's a menace, he was still good. Yeah, he wouldn't tell anyone to eat his shorts, no, for example. No, no, he's, he's a polite kid. For the example I have in on this one, I remember a comic where Dennis is talking about how he likes Looney Tunes. I think he mentions Wiley Coyote or something like that. And Margaret, who's this snobbish girl he hangs out with, mm-hmm. says she doesn't watch those types of cartoons because she thinks they're too violent. Dennis then insults her, and she beats him up. And then he says, I bet you didn't learn that from My Little Pony or whatever she watched or something like that. <laughs> See? It works when you explain it. <laughs> Why? Maybe we should cancel this experiment. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, fun story, by the way. So, this was created March 12th, 1951. On March 17th, 1951, there was a UK comic that was released called Dennis the Menace. Oh. So, it they had the same name. And so... When ours is published in the UK, it's under a different name. When theirs is published here, it's called Dennis and Nasher. So there you go. Who's Nasher in He's that? a dog, I think, that hangs around with him. I okay. kind of looked it up, but it's it's a punk little kid again. So you get uh, Dennis, Henry, Alice, Ruff, Mr. Wilson, Martha Wilson, Joey, Tommy, Gina. I'm trying to think of all the characters here, but it's this group of people that kind of all revolve around Dennis and his antics. Dennis, by the way, named after Hank Ketchum's real-life son, Dennis. So, because he was a little bit of a punk. It's a very Leave It to Beaver-esque 
sort of idea, right? It feels yeah. very 1950s. I guess maybe for the 80s it fit too because we all had vivid imaginations and would be rascals like Dennis. Yeah, because there was a cartoon of Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Uh, live action, two there, live action movies. The first live action was, was a, pretty Well, good. there was a live action TV series from 1959 to 1963. That's right, on Nick at Night. Then there was an animated series in the 80s. Yes. Uh, 80. Yeah, 86 around there. Then there was the movie with Walter Matthau in 93. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I guess they probably... With I think Christopher they, Lloyd is the homeless guy that yeah. scared scared kids. What you got there, sport? Uh, Apple. Uh, Apple. Um, <laughs> they, then uh, they, I think they rebooted the cartoon around that time yeah. as well. So. And by the way, I found out movies are for the Oscars. Music is for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Tony's is for theater. And Ruben Award right. is Ruben. what comics get, mm. as in Rube Goldberg. It's kind of this... Oh, really? That's what it came from, something like that. But Not, anyway. not the sandwich? No. I really like the sandwich. The sandwich is great. That's I, I have, I've had too many bad save Rubens. It, save it for a sandwich. Uh, mm. I always had the hots for Dennis's mom when I was Alice? 11. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's she's a very nice woman. Yeah, she, she's very... Why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to point this out. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Dennis the Menace, I don't even remember. He was in a, he was the mascot for A&W restaurants for a while. Yeah. And also Dairy Queen oh, from 1971 yeah. to 2001 <laughs> until they finally decided kids could no longer relate to Dennis the Menace. I want to I want to point this out too, Kent. Half the comic book rights were purchased by Stan Lee and Marvel Comics. Really? So we may see in phase five of Marvel, Dennis the <laughs> Dennis Menace. Dennis the Menace it's in the MCU. The Menace. <laughs> I'm into so, that. Yes. Uh, Dennis the Menace is one of those cartoons. If you haven't looked it up, it's still around. It's it's wholesome. It's good. But yeah. I definitely read this one all the time, long after I, I stopped relating to Dennis. Okay. All right, Kent. What did you read out of Habit? Beetle Bailey. Beetle I know Beetle Bailey. Bailey. Yeah, so everyone kind of knows this one. It's generally the, the characters there is Beetle Bailey, and he's like the skinny, lazy private. Right. Meanwhile, you have Sarge, who's always angry, always hungry. Sarge's dog, who looks exactly like Otto. Sarge Otto, who's yeah. always wearing the same general clothes as well. It's just this idea where Beetle is always in trouble for everything. It revolves around the inept characters stationed at Camp Swampy. This went from 1950 to now, even surprisingly, mm-hmm. because it's a very dated concept. This is military life post World War II, Korean War. This it, is like MASH, but it's still mash. going. Yeah, exactly. It was created by Mort Walker, and he was, he is now assisted by Neil, Brian, and Greg Walker. So I guess his sons, mm-hmm. they've kind of carried on this family tradition. Also, Beetle Bailey is actually the brother of Lois Flagston from High and Lois. I remember High and Lois. Yeah, another comic strip. And that is the crossover, our first crossover Whoa. of the comic, first of comic many. strip world. Ambitious. <laughs> is it? This has over 100 novelized compilations. There was a 1963 TV series made. 50 episodes. Yeah, 50 episodes. And back in the day, it was seen as controversial because it promoted disrespect to officers because no one really likes Sarge. Right. For example. Oh, here goes <laughs> you ready for the jokes? I'm ready. So this takes place. This is a conversation between. <laughs> this, is, this is so dumb. Conversation between Beetle and Sarge. So Beetle says, hey, where are you going? Sarge says, my hometown is having a parade of heroes. They want me to be in it. What have you ever done this heroic? I put up with you guys. That's the end uh, of the comic. Because uh, <laughs> he's, he's hard to uh, get along. I get it. He's, Let's keep going with the explanations. Uh, Explain the joke. Explain also, the joke. Beetle Bailey was censored in 1962 because it showed a belly button <gasps> in one of its panels. So, Gasp and recoil. I know. So but, that's Beetle Bailey. But did you know 
that in 1988, there was a musical that was put together based on Beetle Bailey. What? Yes. It, it played at the Candlewood Playhouse in New Fairfield, Connecticut for a uh, what I would imagine is a very limited run. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Zach, you didn't pick any. How did you know this? Uh, uh, Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge. Oh, okay. There we go. So it has a Wikipedia page. Apparently, yes. And it talks about the musical in 1988. Nice. I'd watch that. Peter Bailey, good choice. All right. For our next category, we have the one you always hated, yet always read. So this is different from the last category. Because last category yeah. is, you know what? You liked it at one time. It's fine. You still read you still it all the time. You still kind of liked painful. it. This, this is, is like more like... hate read. Yeah. Why, why, do I, why am I reading this? I hate it so much. The Amazing Spider-Man. <gasps> Stop. What? Why? Yeah. Why? And this was my first introduction to Spider-Man. This is I, why you hate Marvel. No, <laughs> I love Spider-Man, but I always read this one. And the reason I hated it is because it's generally only three panels on this one. And they try to tell a story in three to four panels. And it does not work for comic book form. Mm -hmm. And so these are actually original stories created by Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, and several artists. This one went from 1977 to 2019. And this so was, it's done. Yeah, it's done. These were not stories taken from the comic books. Totally independent because of the medium and scrunching it in. And mm -hmm. it was very text heavy. And generally, they had to summarize what happened in the previous episode yep. the day before. And then there was a box for Spider-Man to be like, I think someone's in trouble. And then the next one is the goblin saying, now I've got Spider-Man right where I want him. And that's where it would end. Yeah. And as someone that loves comic book heroes, I was like, that gives me nothing. There's no action. It's more like a soap opera, the way the story is told. It's a lot of drama with Aunt May, Mary yes. Jane, Peter, yeah. Flash, all those guys. I tried, by the way, to follow... The Amazing Spider-Man a couple times. Yeah, you can't. And I, I would read it for a couple weeks, and I'd miss, I'd like miss a paper or two, and then I'd be like, ah, I don't know what's happening now. And, that, and that's why I hated it. Stories, the story arcs went from 8 to 12 weeks, and you had to read every single day. It's like doing homework. But would I read it every day? Yes, I would. Mm -hmm. Even though I'd be confused, because then the Sunday paper was different from the daily paper, and it never made any sense. So I do have <laughs> a description of one of the... Uh, Please go uh, on. ...some of the panels. So voiceover says, and by the way, no context necessary. A voiceover says, after Spidey finished his performance, <laughs> that's the beginning. <laughs> Is he on Broadway? Yeah. And so a group of guys are in one frame and they, shut up, you guys. The man's going to talk. Give him a chance. Yeah, cool it. We want to hear him. And then Spider-Man in the next panel says, speeches aren't my thing, so I'll keep it short. And then a villain in the background says, talk all you want, fool. It'll be the last speech you will ever make. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I hate the Amazing Spider-Man comic strip. It I never gave you that. any closure. Yeah. I, I understand that. But I always read it. Yeah. I remember like when Nintendo Power used to do that too, where mm -hmm. they do like comic and then you have to get the next issue. And then my yeah. But it's so short. I never knew what happened to Simon Belmont. He was trapped in a different dimension. Oh, no. Yeah, poor Simon. I know. Simon? Simon. Simon. <laughs> what a terrible night for a curse. I don't know if you know this, but uh, this actually went on to spawn multiple film series. Really? Yeah. Around, Crazy. Wait, around the time it ended, 2019. The Amazing Spider. Oh, oh my was, goodness. Yeah. There was there was 2002 series and yep. a 2012 mm -hmm. series. Yep. I'm so yeah. confused. It's fine. Um, now, Kent, that one for you, the one you always hated, I get it. But at the same time, it's Spider-Man. I can't hate it. This is one I hate. Okay. Frank and Ernest. Do you uh, remember Frank and Ernest? with that one. Oh, created by Bob Thaves back in 1972. The premise is... The humor of the comic is almost exclusively based on wordplay and puns. Oh. Not good ones, mind you. You should love this, Joel. It's your thing. 
Well, the problem is I like a good pun. And Frank yeah. and Ernest, they're two slovenly looking characters, usually a hat, coat, talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're, they're animals. Sometimes they're vegetables. Sometimes they're minerals. You know, it doesn't really matter. But it's always <laughs> them having some sort of wordplay with each other. For example, just picture this, okay? One guy is standing at the blackboard with some simple math on it. One plus one, two plus two, you know, that, like that. And the other guy is facing away. Frank, how does facing away from first grade arithmetic simplify your life? Ernest. Easy. It's back to basics. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, that's actually the, the, the most funny one we've talked about. <laughs> no, it's not. Because it's back. I is to it. basic learning. I was always. That's why it's th- funny. This comic book insulted my intelligence every time I read it. The comic book keeps <laughs> saying comic strip insulted my intelligence every time I watched it. Almost every single time they don't they don't use panels. It's just a single frame with two people talking okay or you know maybe more than two people but it's always this kind of just one frame kind of thing going on here and the guy bob thaves who wrote it he unlike most cartoonists he did not write all the gags for the strip in fact he openly solicited for gags and even put his email address out there or mailing address to be like send me jokes and then i'll put them because in it doesn't form. take much of a joke to make a comic strip so he was probably taking anything he was. Any sort of Laffy Taffy joke that could have gone in there. And it is. Like, these are Laffy Taffy style jokes where I'm like, why is this still published? Why do and people it still read is. this? Okay. It's still going. And it's terrible puns to this day. I looked them up. I looked at the Back ones to in the basics web comics. was tier two, though. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> That's the level of humor you're going to get, though. The whole thing, Frank and Ernest, yeah. it's kind of just a pun in itself of mm-hmm. Frank being open and honest and Ernest being sincere. That's the joke, I guess. Yeah. But Frank and Ernest is one where the puns were always so bad, it annoyed me. As far as I can tell, that has not been adapted into anything else, uh, another media. Did you read any of the Frank and Ernest comics? I you should look ju- at them, just read I just one. did. And um, it was good? Will you recite one for us, Zach? Yes. So they're walking out of a gym, obviously looking tired. <laughs> it says, biting off more than I can chew isn't the problem. It's biting off more than I can work off. Because they just comic. got out of a gym, gym, gym and they're trying it. to work it off. I to work get off it. The food. <laughs> See, Joel, I don't know if you get it. Yet. I get it. <laughs> it's terrible. Joel, what is a comic that always went over your head? Now, over my head may not, but may not be the right word here. Well, we were pre-teen years or even teen years. Yeah, I'd read these as kids and into yeah. adulthood, but the, I'm going to go with Doonesbury. So am I. What? Yeah, same choice. Me, we matched? Me yes, we did. I'm okay. going to go with that one as well. Because Doonesbury was made for people that followed politics in the 1970s. Yes. That is it. And, it, okay, so uh, made in 1970, started in 1970, Gary Trudeau is the author, chronicles the adventures and lives of an array of characters of various ages, professions, and backgrounds. From the President of the United States, the title character, Michael Doonesbury, who had progressed from a college student to a youthful senior citizen over the decades. So these are... Never funny. No. Never funny. They try. It's like political humor that's not humor. The art style is better than most because there's more detail there, but even that is know, really long smug. noses. Yes, it has a style that stands out. It you does. see a Doonesbury comic, and you actually know, even if you've never read it, oh, Gary Trudeau, I've heard that name, and Doonesbury, okay, that, that makes sense. And isn't that kind of political? Mm-hmm. I didn't even write down any sketches here because it's a long diatribe. Yeah. I basically wrote, just imagine a really dour SNL political intro. Yeah. Because that's what every Doonesbury comic is. I feel like Yeesh. this is the precursor to all the political comedy shows that we have nowadays. Yeah. And... With much less attempts at humor. You mean like the Daily Show, yeah, Colbert Report, yeah, type it's shows like that, that type of thing, had. but not as witty at all. He really pats himself on the back. The author Gary Trudeau oh my does because gosh, yes, like he called out Nixon back in the day, and he loves himself for it. 
And it was really? the first com- daily comic strip to win a Pulitzer Prize. Right. For very awarded. Cartooning. For sure. I, I, everyone, it, why was that? I mean, they actually did that move that into the political commentary section of the newspaper after a while. Mm-hmm. But why was that? That's like a New Yorker type comic. No, I'd yeah. like I'd like read it and be like, Dad, what's the Exxon crisis? <laughs> what's happening I'm right now? 10. What's going on? What's in the Suez Canal? And then obviously, <laughs> I mean, they do expect the cartoon being more liberal, obviously lampooning a lot of uh, Republican candidates. Sure. And like what they had a whole thing a recent with a recent president where it was just like he was this reoccurring, larger than life, overbearing character in every single comic strip. Uh. It seemed to be hitting the same note over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the name Doonesbury comes from the combination of the word Dune, which is a prep school slang for someone who is clueless, and the surname of Charles Pillsbury, who was the author's roommate at Yale University. It's basically saying my roommate is clueless. As every time you read Doonesbury, yeah. that's what it means. Huh. I read it a few times trying to get smarter, but it sure didn't work because I no, never got it. I remember there was like an invisible character that would talk and like this guy was always wearing sunglasses. And mm-hmm. every time I read it, expecting to be like, oh, it's going to be funny. And then I'm like, I don't I don't get it. And then I got older and I was like, I don't like it. Right. So this over my head may not be the right term, but I found this one kind of just pretentious and boring. Yep. Agreed. Why haven't they adapted this into a movie? They adapted it into a Broadway musical. They did? They did. Trudeau took a 22-month hiatus, and during the break, he helped create a Broadway musical of the show. Is it called Toonsbury? Showing the graduation of the main characters. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) It uh, opened at the Big Theater and played 104 performances. Oh, wow. So there you go. Okay. All right, Kent, what actually made you laugh? Foxtrot. I love Foxtrot. Foxtrot is so good. I'm so glad you wrapped that up because I want, I couldn't find a place to okay. put it. Okay, I wondered if you were going to include it. Foxtrot is one of these, when we talked about this show, this is one of my go-tos because the art style is so simple. Mm-hmm. You often can't even see faces or just these really small circle eyes of the characters, big hair. Yep. This centers around the daily lives of the Fox family, and it's just the father, Roger, wife, Andrea, and the three children. And Jason is probably the most well-known. He's yes. the youngest one. He's the nerd. Yes. This one is still going. In fact, I read a few recent web comics of this, and they kind of play upon. Still funny. The, uh, it's more so like, mm, like Comic Con mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Like okay. he's always in cosplay, and this is one of the yeah. more recent ones too, right? Wasn't this in the? Yeah, 80s this started in 1988 yeah. and went 2006 daily, and now it's just Sundays or web comics. Mm-hmm. I guess everything is now just Sundays. This is one I really did enjoy. It was uh, a welcome edition. Bill Amend did this one, and. This one is often really funny. So I'm going to try to explain why this one is funny. Do it. And it. I'm going to explain it instead of telling the jokes as the characters. So Jason enters the scene and his parents are having breakfast. And he's trying to scare them. It's a Halloween version because mm. the Halloween ones are always really good. Mm. And he shows up and he is dressed up as a ghost. And he goes, boo! And they don't even notice him. Next scene, he comes in. He's this murderous doctor. Blood everywhere. La! They're not faced. Next one, he's a xenomorph. He's like, ah! They don't even notice. The next one, his sister comes in and she's in a Halloween costume. She's in her underwear for her Halloween costume. And the parents scream because their daughter is barely wearing anything. Yeah. And that's the joke, right? And that's what this plays really well is like the family dynamic is funny. The sister is uh, always annoyed by her brothers. Mm-hmm. The older brother doesn't care about anything. Super apathetic. And yeah, it's it's really clever even kind of now, I guess I would say, but this really appealed to me because I was nerdy Jason when I was younger. Yeah. So during the late 90s, the character of Jason Fox was licensed to Wolfram Research as a product spokesman for its Mathematica software package. Mm, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Jason. Endorsement deal. Mathematica. Good but yeah, Foxtrot is one that, because most of these are just like, hmm, 
that's funny. And we'll talk about more. But Foxtrot one is one that actually made me laugh out loud. What about you, Joel? What made you laugh? I think I'm going to still Kent's Thunder later on for this one because we talked about this one. Okay. But I'm going to go with The Far Side. Oh, all right. All right. So The Far Side, created by Gary Larson in 1979 through 19, uh, January 1st, 1995. Basically stopped in 1994. This one, it's surrealistic humor is often based on uncomfortable social situations, improbable events, and anthropomorphic view of the world. Logical fallacies. Good job on that word. Thank you. Impending bizarre disasters, often twisted references to proverbs or the search for the meaning of life. I chose a couple. I couldn't choose just one. Oh, I'm going to explain them. Examples, okay. Examples. And you probably see You're going to ruin the far side. A little bit. <laughs> so there's one where these two people are on a date at a table, and the woman says, I judge a man by the shoes he wears, Jerry. And if you look at the comic strip under the table, the guy's shoes have like fruit and horns and rabbits on them. And for some reason, I thought that was hilarious as a kid. <laughs> it's and I still find it funny. I looked up the comic going, <laughs> rabbits. Uh, another example, a kid is desperately like pushing on a door, and there's a sign on the door that says pull. And then the front of the school reads Midville School for the Gifted. Yeah, it makes sense for Midville, too. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Local slam. Oh. So, uh, I mean, there's so many things to talk about. There's the reoccurring themes of like desert island, people stranded on a desert island, uh, aliens coming to Earth, mm-hmm. cows. There's right. so many cows in Far Side. Uh, they're in hell often. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, he uses animals a lot because he had a background in biology. Gary Larson did. So this one was one, I like the story of this one because he was working as a cashier at a retail music store and realized how much he hated his job. Been there. So then he decided he was going to draw down, he was going to sit down at his table, he drew six comics, sent them to the editor and I said, we like that, we'll pay you $90. So he quit his job and started doing what he called Nature's Way, which was the original single panel comic strip, uh, which became Isn't the first a granola bar now? I feel like it is. It could be. Yeah. But then they weren't paying him enough. So he was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm out. So then he went to do the local Humane Society, worked for them for a while. And then when he met a reporter during a story on pony abuse, as it says here, the uh, reporter that was there saw some of his cartoons, said, can I take this to my editor? And they said, yes. So then she hmm. showed him to the editor and they started paying him a little bit more. So he's like, hey, I'm going to quit the Humane Society. But then what he decided to do was to go to San Francisco because he, he was up in Seattle. Okay. He was going to go to San Francisco, give him a portfolio of his work. And he gave it to him. And then when he got back to Seattle, he found out that his comic had been canceled because it got too many complaints. Oh, Apparently it was because right next to the crossword puzzle, that was for kids. And his humor was a little more... Edgy? Edgy. Edgy's not the word. Yeah, it's not. Uh, twisted? Sure, yeah, twisted. But in a good way. So then he was glad he found that after because if he would have gotten his comic canceled before he went to San Francisco, he never would have done it. Absolute legend. But then that one, the affiliate in the San Francisco that said, okay, we'll take it. They said, well, we're going to call it the far side. He's like, I don't care if you call it Revenge of the Zucchini people. It's fine. I don't <laughs> care. But then it became one of the biggest comics ever. During his 15-year run, he produced 4,337 comics. And uh, it was in more than 1,900 papers and translated into 17 different languages. And it became... A sensation. Yes. You'd see it on, I mean, obviously calendars. Yeah, calendars are like the biggest thing. Yeah. Right. T-shirts, greeting cards. Yes. All over I, the place. I've seen, I'm, for, I'm literally only familiar with this from the merchandise. Yeah. And, and the daily calendars. And they're out there. Although he hated stuff on the internet. He disapproved of his work being out on the internet because he really? wanted to have control of it. He did finally, after a 25-year hiatus, he did launch his own website uh, for, for The Far Side, which now does like a daily dose of previous re- previously released comics. Mm-hmm. 
but he also has done an occasional new one every now and then. So he's once oh, again, fantastic. as of 2020, started doing a couple new ones every now and then. But yeah, uh, you mentioned calendars, greeting cards, 23 compilation books has generated him over $70 million in revenue just for the books alone. It's had an effect on the world as well. There's this comic where a paleontologist is pointing to the spiky end of a stegosaurus and saying, I'm calling this the Thagomizer. And now paleontologists in a casual conversation, like an actual medical term, but they call it the Thagomizer because of the far side. So it's a long-winded talk about the far side, but especially since it's a category about things that make me laugh. It's very worthy. But this is such clever comedy. Such clever comedy. Yeah. And it's a single panel, meaning he didn't use the four panels in Progressive Story. Yeah. One shot, one drawing with a caption, and it's comedy gold, Jerry. Comedy gold. Produced an animated special in 1994 and a sequel in 1997. Okay, Joel, what is your most overrated? We talked about one that you uh, laugh at. What do, what do you think is overrated? I wanted to put Doonesbury here. What? Because it is definitely Because overrated. it's been very rewarded. Yeah, I got like, yeah. the Pulitzer and all those other prizes and people have, you know, lofted it up there. But you can't. But I, I can't because I already used it once. Mm-hmm. So in this one, I'm going to put Kathy. <gasps> well, that's mean. Overrated. Uh, so but, but Kathy, that's mean. It is a little mean because I'm not the demographic. Not at all. But in fact, I think there's a joke. Oh, what show is that on? Where they have this treasure of like in a vault and they're like, it's the it's the one Kathy comic that men find funny. <laughs> and I was like, that's a clever joke. Uh, so created by Kathy Guys, uh, Guys White. I can never say her name right. And it was from 1976 to 2010. The comic is about a woman, Kathy, who struggles with the four basic guilt groups of life. Food, love, family, and work. I didn't really have an example that I, I, could, I could put out there. But my only thing is like when... She in, always gets frazzled over in, everything. In 30 Rock... They yeah. make a mention of Liz Lemon acting like Kathy, and then it shows her, and she goes, chocolate, 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 ack. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's Kathy in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah, And I think there is actually a strip where there's Halloween candy yelling at her, uh, chocolate yelling at her, telling it to come eat her, and she's in the other room. And she's like, no, it's for the kids. And they're like, no, you need to eat me. And that's funny. <laughs> uh, this appeared in over 1,400 newspapers at its peak. And she said, Kathy, the author, I should, I should say Kathy, the author, not Kathy, the character. She drew funny pictures as an emotional coping mechanism. And her mom kept saying, send it in, send it in. You're going to be famous. Send it in. And so she said, my entire goal of my submission packet was to get my mother off my back. My goal was not to do a comic strip. It was to make mom quit telling me that I could do a comic strip. Wow. But then it became hugely successful. More than 20 books, compilations have been created, three television specials, one of which won an Emmy Award. What? Kathy won an Emmy Award, and she won the Rubin in 1992. I, I felt like this is a little overrated because it is one of those put on a pedestal as one of the great comics of all time. But every time I read it, I kind of went, yeah, we get it. It's you're, same-ish. You're, you're insecure. The joke is same She's insecure about her weight. She, when she's trying on anything, she likes chocolate. She, she hates her job. Yeah. Uh, and so, I don't know. I just didn't get it as much. Kathy ended in 2010, as I mentioned. This is a spoiler alert for Kathy, by the way. Five, uh, the final six, seven, eight. <laughs> Thank you. The final strip ran with the revelation that Kathy is pregnant with a girl. So, because <gasps> she always wanted to have children, she did. She, just she had... got married, which was it was kind of cool yeah. to see the progression of a character in that regard. Right. But yes, I'm going to put Kathy in the overrated category. Oof. Kent, I'm going to beat that one. Dilbert, 
What? Yeah. Yes. Dilbert's not good. Yes. Dilbert is one of those you see in IT room, uh, in uh, you know yeah. IT offices. Merchandising is all over the place. Yeah, this it's one, like the little plushie. Created by Scott Adams, uh, 1989 to present day. This is a satire of the workplace, technology, and company issues. Granted, these are jokes we all currently get yeah. now that we're this age. This is the precursor to <laughs> office space. The precursor to the office. It's true. But I feel like the office space, I don't know. It gets me somehow. This one is just jokes that I'd rather not ever think about outside of work. Yeah. Can't right. I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. I think it is overrated. Because it's launched TV specials. I think it had a TV series There was as a well. TV series, yeah. It has its own line of mints. Dilbert mints. mints? No, get this. Like These are what they're mints? called. Accomplish mints. Appease mints. Appoint mints. Perform mints. Harass mints. Manage mints. Payments. It keeps going, Joel. That's These are lot. different flavors. I apparently, ah, I <laughs> don't like that. And there's Dilbert. Everyone knows the look of Dilbert. I think even by saying that, it does create a visual. He's and that's why I say it's, it's curled up, right? right. Yep. Oh, that irritating. There's, the, there's the pointy-haired boss. No name, by the way. Just pointy-haired boss. PHB Dogbert. Mm-hmm. It's a dog that always wants to take over the world. I guess that's a thing. There's yeah, yeah. Anyways, the sketch that I found to read to you guys is kind of funny, but it's just office humor that I think we're all bored of now that zoom calls have kind of taken over many people's lives. Yeah. And so a consultant is there and she says, what's your take on this Dilbert? And he says, what? Sorry, I was using this time to think about something useful. And then the consultant says, maybe your boss can fill you in. And the boss says, I was brain golfing, brain golfing. Uh, and that's it's funny because yes yeah, business people golf yeah it's the workplace and none of Checking us are paying out. attention and that's yeah. fine i just don't ever want to think about this outside of work we get yeah. the jokes but dilbert is overrated right. very very well known yeah i'm gonna agree with you i think it's a good point all right next up we have you never understood why it's still being printed what do you think kent this one started in 1937 it's Prince Valiant. That's what I picked. Oh, <laughs> okay, I had a feeling. Yeah. So Prince Valiant appeared only in the Sunday paper back when I was reading. So this one was in full color. It was almost sometimes just one panel or two. And there was Prince Valiant. You saw the, the bold title there. Mm-hmm. You saw him in his dark hair, Dutch boy haircut. The prince. They call it the Prince Valiant cut. And it's like that... Short bangs with like uh-huh. the curl and the whoop at the bottom. Wait, do that again. Whoop. <laughs> there we go. And he was. What do they call that in the barber world? I have no idea. The Valiant. The page I, boy? I really hope so. Sure. Uh, a mistake. Yeah. And this one always showed up top left of the paper. And I'm like, that's valuable real estate. Mm-hmm. Why are you wasting it on my grandpa's comic strip? This is not okay. So Valiant is a Nordic prince from Thule. He arrives in Camelot and becomes a knight of the round table. He fights through the late Roman Empire to the Middle Ages. Basically, he's kind of like a non-canonical, fantastical hero that fights in wars over the course of a millennium. Yeah. is that Does that sound about right? Yeah, and like at the beginning, it was much more fantastical. It got much more grounded in quote-unquote reality mm-hmm. as the comic progressed. They did a lot less magic, a lot less crazy stuff. Yeah, Zach, I want you to look this up as we're talking about it. By the I'm, way, I am. I, I'm very confused. I yeah. feel bad. I, I feel bad they're not using the full name. Oh, go ahead. The full name is Prince Valiant in the Days of King Arthur. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was made into a movie in 1954 starring Robert Wagner yes. and Janet Lee, And a movie in 1997 starring uh, Ron Perlman and Stephen Moyer and Catherine Heigl. Oh, I'm sure it was great. 
<laughs> so he's basically known for the haircut. And sometimes there's just a panel with words and some like a swords and shields action happening. And, and that's about it. it's still happening. Yes. It's still happening. This is one, one story they're telling. It's like over 4,000 strips. And even today, 300 American newspapers carry Prince Valiant. I don't understand. Do you know what I remember, though? Like, who's how cool they them? looked. Yeah, no, the art style is very, very cool. It's like a very realistic kind of look to it. Yeah. Like, it looks like those Bible stories that you get. And I think that's kind of the same. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's blackmail. I think that's the only reason it's still being printed. Did you hear about... Like what happened to the author, though? No. Sad stuff. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, so he stopped illustrating and, and signing it in 1975. He had arthritis. He was kind of getting older. And then he'd work with the artists and tell them what to do. And But then uh, he had uh, some prolonged anesthesia uh, during a, a hospital stay or an operation. And it took part of his memory. And he no longer remembered doing Prince Valiant. Oh, no. It's a sad a sad ending. Wow. To was he relieved? <laughs> I'll, sorry, I, sorry. Come on. Terrible. He was obviously faking it because he didn't know where the story was going to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, George, it's a, it's George a, R. R. Martin? Uh, Lost Riders? <laughs> kind of. Not Lost Riders. Mm-hmm. But it is a sad ending because the story is still going. I don't know how. Right. But I feel bad that the author... I would love to know if someone out there has collected every Prince Valiant comic. I want to know if together. anyone has been following the story. True. Yeah, truly. And if so, did you start from the beginning? Did you hop in the middle? How do you hop in the middle of that? This might be like, you know how everyone's like, oh, have you read Dune? It's the greatest story ever. Yeah. Have you read Dunesbury? <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe Prince Valiant could be the greatest story ever told. That, HBO, make well, this boring movie, please. Fun fact, <laughs> I was going to say here, the Duke of Windsor. Oh, yes. Uh, what called Prince Valiant the, quote, greatest contribution to English literature in the past hundred years, <laughs> which is funny because the author is actually a Canadian-American. He's like, Canada has three and a half stars. They're a province. How about, Joel, what's the most cliche or formulaic? It's got to be the family circus. It's the family circus. We matched again? <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. So the central characters of the family circus are a family whose surname is rarely mentioned, but, you know, it's based on the it, author, Bill Keene. It's circus. Well, so it was originally <laughs> Andy called Andy Circus family. It was yeah. originally called the Family Circle or the Family Go Round. Family Go Round, but because there was a magazine called Family Circle, they objected, and it became the Family Circus. But it was based on the fact that it was usually a single panel with a circle around mm-hmm. it and some cliched thing. This is basically slice of life moments of kids say the darndest things. This is Facebook before Facebook. Yeah, here's a picture of my kid and a funny thing they said. Yeah. Uh, I have an example, Kent. Yeah, I have one too. Billy, the seven-year-old boy, is standing in front of his uh, dr- in front of his dresser with uh, in his underwear, holding up a pair of shorts and saying, "Can I wear my short sleeve pants?" <laughs> why, why did that get me so That's much? That's it. That's the joke. <laughs> the whole comic. Short. I'm calling them short sleeve pants from now on, <laughs> as you should. Oh wow! And so the one I have is the annoying sister. Like nobody liked the older sister, right? She said, Mommy, Jeffy stopped washing his hands after singing only one happy birthday. That's Nobody it. likes a narc, sis. <laughs> when we talk about formula, this series followed the formula, which I think maybe worked enough. But yeah. for example, it, like when it didn't want to tell the joke, it was like Billy, the oldest brother, would just go around the neighborhood to go borrow some sugar, for example. And it would show through dotted lines the path through the neighborhood, jumping over dogs, riding a bike, that sort of thing. And that was the joke. Also, they created a gremlin 
Multiple in the story, agreements. but the main one is called Not Me. Yes. And say big, you know, who broke this jar? Not me. And then you have this little invisible uh, character with not me written on them running past. So this family had a gremlin around the house. They also had other gr- additional uh, gremlins. Wait, are you mad right now, Zach? Are you Zach, okay? Zach, here are the not other gremlins. Me. Think think of a kid answering. So like, how did this happen? Oh, wait, there's a gremlin named I don't know. <laughs> there's a gremlin named Nobody. There's a gremlin named Oh Yeah. And a gremlin named Just Because. That's like uh, discount Abbott and Costella. Yeah. yeah. I, although the short sleeve pants, that's funny. No, it's kind of funny. That, well, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's a Facebook post. It My is. kid called yeah. it this. It's funny. But he went through the time of actually hand drawing this whole thing. Uh, by the way, there are 89 compilations of Family Circus cartoons. 89. Wow. That is a lot. The original author did pass away in 2011, and now his son uh, is the one who's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, family tradition carrying on. I... Family Circus was one where I really, I it it's was, so sweet. It was it's it's hard to hate it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I would get so annoyed with it where I'm like, that's not funny. Not at all. That's not funny. I and by, funny. And by the way, if you want to read these, I think the best way to do it is actually buy one of the compilations. They have those because they're the best bathroom readers ever. But they do have. I I went to I think it was Go Comics. I can't remember one mm-hmm. of the sites. And they had a randomizer where you just hit, like, they had the comic strip and you hit random and it would pull them from, like, you know, the 80s or the 2000s. Oh, and cool. Jump around like that. And that was a fun but way But I to think do it reading too. them on paper is kind of the yeah. art there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you look at something on the internet, you forget it two seconds later. True. Uh, in October 2010, the uh, film rights were purchased by 20th Century Fox and yeah. Walt Media. So that means they're probably owned by Disney now. A live action. They're oh. going to do a live action Family Circus movie. No. A circus family I would watch, <laughs> but, not but not the family, family circus. circus. <laughs> the gremlin story? Sure. Yeah. Okay. What about it never made you laugh, but always made you smile? Kent? Pickles. I like Pickles. <laughs> pickles is adorable. It is an adorable comic. But it's never funny. I think it's some of them are funny. So the story about Pickles is it was written by Brian Crane, started in 1990, going to present day. It is about his in-laws. And these are two retired folks. Yep. Right, and in the story, it's Earl and Opal. So while Family Circus is more kind of, you know, young family humor, this is old person humor. This is old people dealing with a six-year-old grandchild. And he's not a bad kid. He just is very inquisitive. Mm -hmm. And so he'll ask questions, and his grandpa often kind of gives a really, like, lazy answer. Yes, Zach. just read a comment. Okay, no, please read it to us. We need good examples. So a kid opens up a drawer and goes, ah. And then what's the grandma? The grandma's Opal. Opal, Opal. Because what's wrong, Nelson? And Nelson says, there's a hairy animal in that drawer. A hairy animal? Are you sure? Yeah, I think it's a big, ugly rat. She looks in the drawer and says, you're close. It's Grandpa's old toupee. <laughs> That's so dumb. When, when was that written? Like the, Most comics will have a date like yeah. written on them. Does it have uh, a date written in December 16th, 2018. That's way too recent for that type of humor. And the one I have is Opal says, she's sitting on the couch with the dog, and she says, I will not eat that last piece of pie. Next frame. I will definitely not eat that last piece of pie. I will probably not eat that last piece of pie. I will not. Oh, what the heck? Next frame, Earl walks by with an empty plate. Man, that was a good piece of pie. Next scene, Opal to her dog. I will probably not clobber that man. Because uh, uh, yeah, it's going to follow the yeah, same. Yeah. So good. there is amusement here. And I don't know why when I was that age, it wasn't like, I was like, this reminds me of my grandparents spending time summers alone with them. It seemed like Nelson was always hanging out with the grandparents. Yeah. The parents were always like 
going on a cruise or something. Good for them. I guess (laughs) you can take care of my kid. I like pickles, and I think pickles may have been the most clipped. Zach's got another one. (laughs) Zach, you got another one? (laughs) Yeah, go go ahead. Zach, you're saving the show right here. Please do. No, I'm just saying that this is probably, pickles is probably the most clipped and put on our fridge. Oh, was it? Okay. Probably. Hmm. Yeah, either pickles or zits. I apologize for this one, Joel. Don't put those together, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, what, Opal and who was the... Earl. Earl. Okay. Opal says, where are you going? Earl says, bathroom. Opal says, goodbye. What do you mean, goodbye? I'm just going to the can with the Sunday paper, crossword puzzle, and a pencil. So? So, farewell until we meet again. And then she says, on her own, he'll be back. There's no toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) so dumb. Explaining comics. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) All right. So mine that never made me laugh, but always made me smile was actually B.C. Oh, okay. Do you guys remember yeah, B.C.? Yeah, I've seen yeah. this. Created by Johnny Hart in 1958. Set in prehistoric times, it features a group of cavemen and anthropomorphic animals from various geologic eras. This is my example, and it's a ridiculous one. Uh, B.C., the main character, he's, kind of, he's a caveman with orange hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes outside uh, one fall day to enjoy a cup of coffee. He sits down next to a tree that only has one leaf left. The leaf falls, and it drifts back and forth across the sky, and he follows it with his eyes, and then it lands right in his coffee mug. And it just shows him yelling, really? That's the joke. Okay. <laughs> but in the comic, so the way they like did it. observational humor. Yeah, it's just like out of all the places Paying very land, close attention, and then yeah. that's funny, I guess. Uh, this was among the longest running strips still written and drawn by its original creator until he passed away. And I'm going to bring the room down again. Oh, here we go. Sorry. He actually uh, passed away from a stroke mm-hmm. while at the drawing table. Oh. He was literally drawing a comic and then passed away, his wife said. So he died doing what he loved, which is a good thing. But yeah. I was kind of like, well, that's kind of down. By the way, uh, ja- uh, he also, Johnny Hart, also worked on The Wizard of Id, another one that... I always got those confused. Yeah, because it's very similar. Yeah, style, same art style, style for sure. Yeah. This was one of those things where they originally tried to keep it firmly in prehistoric times. But as it went on, they start making you know references to current events and inventions of and course. celebrities. Yeah. There was also uh, after he, uh, after the author had a kind of a religious uh, experience, uh, revival in in his life, he ended up incorporating a lot more religious elements into his really into the into caveman the com- comic into the caveman comic. Like there's actually a very touching one I, I saw on Easter a while back that I was like, that's actually really good. I'm not gonna hear it because it's not funny. Yeah, but it made me smile. Like there's this whole running gag where like the uh, BC will like write on a stone tablet and send it out into the ocean, mm-hmm. and then a couple panels later it will come back with some sarcastic response. It's basically like the Flintstones, but in a comic book form. Yeah, and I just every time I'd read it, and I kind of like, yeah, well, I kind of enjoy this. I'll just keep reading it, and so it made me smile. And I, I don't know if I ever laughed at a lot of any of them, but I always look forward to reading BC. Hmm. Oddly enough, you know, it was turned into two different video games for the ColecoVision. <laughs> <laughs> it's big time. Yeah. yeah. All right. How about the most clever writing, Joel? I got to give it to Calvin and Hobbes. So Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> You're using Calvin and Hobbes right here? I am because the thing I loved about Calvin and Hobbes, written by uh, authors Bill Watterson, uh, 1985 to 1995. And it's basically the humorous antics of the title character Calvin, a precocious, mischievous, and adventure, adventurous six-year-old boy, and Hobbes, his sardonic stuffed tiger, uh, which becomes anthropomorphic. I'm just going to throw out in all yeah. of my things now. So Calvin and Hobbes, the reason I think it's so clever is because they, uh, Bill Watterson managed to put slapstick humor or satire, sometimes it was touching. Imagination. 
like it was just running throughout. Sometimes they were having this deep philosophical discussion mm-hmm. while riding down a hill in a wagon, and I was totally engaged with it. Yeah. Sometimes it was touching. I remember there's a whole uh, kind of a story arc when he finds a raccoon uh, that's injured and ends up passing away, and he starts contemplating, like, what is life? Like, why do people have to die? And things like that. And it was very deep for a comic. Yeah. But it fits. And then the next week, he's creating snowmen, a house of horrors. Yeah, killer one, snowmen. One snowman's making snow cones out of the other one and things yeah. like that. I always wanted to make snow co- or snowmen like Calvin. This is what many consider to be the last great newspaper comic. All the characters were just fun. Like Susie, I loved when mm-hmm. Susie would come around and just put Calvin in his place because he was, he was an idiot, but he was a fun idiot. You, yeah. enjoyed, you enjoyed being around him. He's, honestly, it's kind of like Dennis the Menace, but better in the sense of the character and those surrounding him. Yeah, like, he didn't need to cause trouble to cause trouble. He was just trying to use his imagination. Exactly. And his imagination is what brought Hobbes alive. Mm-hmm. And so other people saw him as just a stuffed tiger. Uh, but he had reoccurring characters like uh, in his imagination, like Spaceman Spiff. Yes. And a Stupendous Man. He had a transmogrifier, which was a cardboard box that you could walk into and turn into whatever you wanted. Anyway, I, there's a lot that I could say about this. It was featured in over 2,400 newspapers worldwide. 45 million copies of the Calvin and Hobbes books have been sold worldwide. And I just feel like this is such a clever, clever comic. And the more I read it, the more compilations I read, mm-hmm. the more I enjoy it. Now, Great choice. Bill Watterson, he is one that uh, he's one of those reserved comics. Yeah, he took a couple hiatuses because he was he he fought with his uh, syndicate because he did not want to license his characters for anything. And they're like, "This is a huge marketing opportunity. You can make tons of money." He's like, yeah. "I don't want it." And then you got a bunch of knockoffs, which is why you saw the Calvin peeing on everything window decals. I never understood that. Unauthorized. He did not like those at all. Oh, yeah, obviously. And uh, he didn't want to go to any of the ceremonies uh, for awards that he got. Jim Henson, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg all approached him and saying, hey, we'd like to do a, an animated adaptation. Nope. Zero interest Crazy, in that. Crazy, right? And yeah, so, I cannot believe there's not a movie. Because the this. possibility there. I think yeah. maybe when he passes, I think maybe his family tries to make this a movie. Yeah, maybe try to cash in. C- but. CGI animated movie, for sure. Yeah. and for, I do, DreamWorks. I do, by the way, have... Uh, <laughs> An example. Uh, I don't know if this is clever, but it's one that I remembered immediately. Okay. So there's a monster under Calvin's bed. Okay. And he can't go to the bathroom, but he has mm-hmm. to go. And the monster starts making water noises like blah, 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 to make him have to go to the bathroom even worse. And Hobbs is like, well, just go to the bathroom. He's like, I can't. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And then the next panel, in the final panel, the mom and dad are outside of the house just below his window. And the dad says... The plants on the side of the house sure don't do very well. <laughs> That's good. It is good. Yeah. And uh, the last comic, the final strip ran on Sunday, December, 1st, December 31st, 1995. And it basically ended with Calvin saying to Hobbes, let's go exploring. Mm-hmm. Like one final adventure off into the so sunset. Good. What a great ending. It is. Yeah. I wish there were more, but I, I understand he was burned out and, and he said what he needed to say and he was done with it. Yeah. But I wish there was just at least one more game of Calvin Ball we could see. Oh. In 2013, there was a documentary release called Dear Mr. Watterson really? uh, about it. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it anyway, out. Anyway, went on for a long time, but Calvin and Hobbes. If you have not read Calvin and Hobbes, please do so. My kids love it when I check those out from the library. So many good compilations out there. Go pick them up. Most clever writing, Kent? The Far Side. It's been brought up. Yes. And so Joel's talked about it a lot. I just want to kind of ruin. I've been a talking a lot in general. I'm sorry. I want to ruin some far side comics. So, for example, Noah is talking to the animals as they're about to enter the ark. And he says, now, listen up. We're going to do this alphabetically. And you have the zebras saying, beep. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, one of the ones that always 
I think I hate it as a kid, but like I've always remembered it. It's donning his new canine decoder. Professor Schwartzman becomes the first human being to hear what barking dogs are actually saying. And there's dogs all around this neighborhood and they're just saying, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and I don't know why it's so funny to me. Oh my gosh, it just reminded me of something. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite Farside comics is this dog sticking his head out of the car and mm-hmm. he's get, he's wagging his tail really fast and he's like, yeah, my, my owner's going to take me on a ride and we're going to the vet so I can get tutored. <laughs> oh, and we've, oh. we've used that like when we talk about our dogs yeah. going to get that operation, we always said, oh yeah, uh, Quigley's going to get tutored. <laughs> oh. Haven't you always thought of the person didn't wash their hands alarm outside the bathroom? It's just ringing? Yeah. Yes. And the guy's <laughs> like, oh. Yes. Oh, or like uh, people in hell are saying, oh, man, the coffee's cold. They thought of everything. <laughs> but there's still coffee. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, the man. far side to me is cleverness all the way through. And it's not just like, hey, that made me laugh for a second. It's like that sticks with me even to this yeah. day. I, I have a co- I think I have a compilation book at home right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll flip through it occasionally and laugh all yes, over again. Of course. OK, how about the one you don't know why you liked, but you did? Baby Blues. Baby Blues. Yeah. That's an interesting that's an interesting pick. And Baby Blues is one it's so simple. Like many of these it just focuses on a small family of 5 because that's so many comics, very basic drawings, like a lot of just line drawings. Mm-hmm. But they eventually have 3 kids. As I was reading it, they aged the kids very very slow. I think when I started they just had Zoe, the daughter, mm-hmm. and she started growing and then there were I think she has two other extraordinary sons. playlist. <laughs> sure. Sure. That's what I hear. <laughs> so anyways, it's just a story about raising kids, but it's not as cheesy as Family Circus. I don't know what it is, but it more f- focuses on how kind of like frazzled parents get yeah. with kids. Like, for example, one of the sketches, it's just two panels and it says school day up in the corner, 6.30 a.m. And the mom, Wanda, is saying, get up. You need to eat breakfast. Zoe, the oldest daughter, who's seven now, saying, no, 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 you can't make me. And the husband, Daryl, says, Wanda, did you pack my lunch? As he's yelling it from off screen. The next panel is so that was school day 6 30 a.m this is summer day 6 30 a.m wanda's in bed and zoe is saying get up you need to make us breakfast and gerald says wanda did you pack my lunch remember she's still in bed she says no 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 you can't make me so it's just the, yep. the dichotomy the relatable it's relatable dichotomy of what it's like to be a parent with just kids that need every ounce of your energy mm-hmm. and I read this when I was 11 and 12, and I was like, yeah, I don't have kids. I don't know what that's like, but <laughs> that's probably what it's like. Yeah. So I'm going to take a while. This was developed into a uh, cartoon. Yes. That ran uh, in 2000 from July 28th to August 24th. Oh. Eight episodes were shown before being canceled. Yeah. The remaining five were eventually released on Adult Swim two years later. And then a second season consisting of 13 episodes was produced but never released. Oh, so they got the blues. Yeah. Oh, baby blues. Mm. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> uh, but the comic ran from 1990 and it's still going today. And what about you, Joel? You don't know why you liked it, but you did. We've already talked about it. It's Beetle Bailey. There we go. Really? I've never served in the military. My <laughs> sure. dad was out of the military before I was ever born. And yet I just had this enjoyable experience reading Beale Bailey. I looked for it, even though the jokes were the same mm-hmm. almost every time. Yeah. Uh, I have an example, Kent. <laughs> Always good. So Beetle Bailey and Private uh, Plato are watching ants walk in the grass. Beetle says, why do you suppose these ants are all in that long line? Plato replies, who knows? They're just dumb insects. And then the next panel, Plato says, well, time for lunch. And Beetle and him line up in a long line of soldiers. Oh, okay. That's, it's the dichotomy. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to say, I, I didn't, you didn't bring it up, but I wanted to save it for this, is mm. that uh, Beetle Bailey was actually not in the army to begin. He was actually a college student. Yeah. 
at Rockview University. And then after during the strip's first year, he quit school and enlisted in the U.S. Army, and then he was stuck there ever since. Hmm. Which means maybe he's in purgatory. Yeah, I think he might oh, be. Lord. I don't know. But yeah, we've already talked about a lot about this already, so I won't go into it. But there's you know a lot of running gags. There was a thing where they actually had the people write in in 2002 and name the tech expert who became Chip Gizmo. Uh, that that was a kind of a write-in thing, but people hmm. still cared about this oh, comic in 2002. So, but Beetle Bailey, I think, is one that I don't know why I enjoyed it, but I always look forward to reading Beetle Bailey. Yeah. Right. Now we get into our final two categories, and these are big ones. So I theoretically may have heard of these. Mm-hmm. So we have the best characters, Joel. Best characters. Yeah. Zach, have you heard of Charlie Brown? Indeed, I have. Snoopy. Indeed. Lucy. Yes. Linus. Yeah. Peppermint Patty. Peanuts. Marcy. Sally Brown. Schroeder. Pigpen. Franklin. Woodstock. Little the little red-haired girl. These are the only comic book characters I can think of that are in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. These are the only ones Every that... Year. I mean, you see Snoopy on so many... I had a Snoopy ice uh, a snow cone maker. You know, that was a thing that people did. He's been on mugs. They've been on mugs and cups, and they've had animated specials. And I feel like... One good. One, one was good. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I feel like... Uh, by the way, this is created by Charles Schultz, ran from 1950 to February 2000. And I also, I, I really like that this one... Charles Schultz said that he did not want his strip to be continued by another cartoonist. And even as he got older, he didn't want someone to ink it or, or letter it because he said it's like a golfer hiring a man to make his putts. Interesting. And so then when he drew the, the strip by himself for 50 years, and then after he passed away, his, his family honored his wishes and says, okay, no new author. It's done. Did you ever find this to be humorous in any way or just kind of repeated formats that were familiar? Some I liked. I don't know why, but every time Lucy pulled the football away, that was funny to me. Okay. I don't know why. And, you know, the, the, it's not one that I was, like, laughing uproariously at, but it definitely was that amused this me. This one, to me, was way before my age. I never <laughs> cared for it. Really? Yeah. Ah, oh, see, I still enjoyed it. Uh, by the way, he produced 17,897 strips. Wow. That is a lot of writing and drawing. It was originally called Little uh, Little Folks, or at least the characters were in uh, one called Little Folks, which was in the St. Paul Pioneer Press, a very small thing. Uh-huh. But then when it got bigger, the people that uh, wanted to syndicate it said, we need a better title. And the Howdy uh, Peanuts D- is not the better title. Howdy Doody was on, yeah. and they had Peanut Gallery where all the kids mm-hmm. sat. So the... the is that where that phrase so comes from? Yeah. Peanut Gallery came from Howdy Doody. What? But then Peanuts, they said, let's just call it Peanuts. And this is what he said. I couldn't think of a better title, and someone at United Features came up with the miserable title Peanuts, which I hate and have always hated. It has no dignity, and it's not descriptive. What could I do? Here I was, an unknown kid from St. Paul. I couldn't think of anything else. I said, why don't we call it Charlie Brown? And the president yeah. said, well, we can't copyright a name like that. I didn't ask him about Nancy or Steve Canyon, which were other ones. Mm-hmm. He said, I was in no position to argue. Or so Snoopy. He, he never really liked to I always refer hated the to title. it as Peanuts. Yeah. And so we always call it, I write a comic strip with Charlie Brown in it. I don't know that it's. I think it's more known as Charlie Brown because yeah. of the of the animated series. Or when you're a kid, like you always see Snoopy as like the protagonist. Yeah, yeah. At least I did. I thought Snoopy was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, his comics and together with his merchandise earned Schultz more than one billion dollars. Wow. And just to give you an idea of the influence of these characters, Snoopy has been the personal safety mascot for NASA astronauts since 1968. They give a silver Snoopy award to employees or contractors employees who promote flight safety. Wow. Also, that black and white cap that astronauts wear, Mm -hmm. uh, at least wore back in the 80s. Well, well, not even before the 80s, but that's called a Snoopy cap. Oh. Uh, Knott's Berry Farm obviously has uh, some... uh, 
Peanuts characters from it as well. Because they were a little bit cheaper than other characters? Probably Maybe. so. Okay. Uh, and then he did, I was going to say, the last original uh, Peanuts comic strip was published on January 3rd, 2000. And all it is is uh, Charlie Brown's on the phone saying, no, I think he's out typing. And it shows Snoopy typing. And this is what it says. Dear friends, I have been fortunate to draw Charlie Brown and his friends for almost 50 years. It has been the fulfillment of my childhood ambition. Unfortunately, I am no longer able to maintain the schedule demanded by a daily comic strip. My family does not wish Peanuts to be continued by anyone else. Therefore, I am announcing my retirement. I have been grateful over the years for the loyalty of our editors and the wonderful support and love expressed to me by fans of the comic strip. Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, Lucy, how can I ever forget them? And that's it. He said goodbye. It's real heavy to put the and final frame. And then he passed away a month later. Oh. Wow. So I just, I, it was a very kind of, Good grief. Know, that, <laughs> good grief. Ah. Yes. I think the characters on this are timeless in the sense that we're still decades after his passing and decades after the last original one. Yeah. Still know these characters by name. Zach knows them, Ken. I do. Yeah. Zach knows them. Can I talk about why? Why? In 1967, there was a musical adapted for this. And then it was revived in the late 90s. Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. And actually, what I really like about Your Good Man, Charlie Brown is the show itself is vignettes a la a comic strip. Mm -hmm. So it's just short pieces of a story, like it's playing these comic strips over and over again. It's kind of fun. So Yeah. Oh, oh. And also, after he passed away in May of that year, more than 100 comic strips paid homage to him and Peanuts by incorporating his characters into their oh, strips. Oh, that's cool. I like, like that. That was a great tribute. Yeah. Aww. They're like, you don't want any, anyone else to draw your characters? We will. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was an homage. Oh, you yeah. passed out. Intellectual right, property is ours now. Beat Snoopy. Oh, I can't. There's no way I can beat those characters because no one knows the names of these characters. For me, it's a personal favorite character list. Okay, that's fine. And so these characters are from Sherman's Lagoon. It's fine to be wrong, Kent. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I remember right Sherman's for me. Lagoon, but I cannot remember. So in this, this is centers on the misadventures of a lazy, overweight, great white shark named Sherman, ah, along with his controlling, yeah. hot-tempered wife Megan, and the friends and foes who share their tropical home. So there's Sherman. Megan. And Megan is Sherman, but she has pearls. pearls. <laughs> right. Uh, there's Fillmore, who's the lonely bachelor sea turtle, which I knew I'd eventually become. Oh. He, like, he makes the annual trip to find a permanent mate, and he always strikes out. Oh. There's also Hawthorne, who wears a beer can instead of a shell. Generally, he's rude, stingy, and also a criminal. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like each of these characters, and this is like a tier two comic, but I always read this one. I remember Because it. they each had their own voice. And that's what I feel like a lot of comics didn't get right is they all spoke with the author's voice. Mm -hmm. In this one, they felt different. I loved the way the sharks, and I'm not going to read any sketches of it, but basically, or Megan and Sherman would talk about like, hey, I feel like Italian tonight. And then they'd go and there would be some stereotypical Italian swimming in the water right there. Or they're like, oh, there's poodles, and poodles were delicacies for them. <laughs> or they'd see a group of swimmers, they'd be like, it's time for a buffet. And they would just casually talk about eating people, and they're great white sharks, which I love. And you don't love great shit. I, I love and I fear them okay. at the same time. Like women. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am Fillmore. But I just really enjoyed this one. I believe there was probably a TV special at some point. It feels like it feels ripe for the opportunity. Zach would know. What? Is there a TV special? Of was Germans there a TV special? I didn't see anything. No. <gasps> oh, too bad. But no. I really love just like conversations. Then usually they were just sitting down. By rocks. Mm -hmm. And those were their conversations. Maybe Which two or three panels. Which keep swimming in order to breathe. Yeah, it doesn't. It, come on. A lot of the comics, yeah, yeah they're like weirdly seated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like an awkward yeah. looking great white shark. But I love these characters. Nobody knows who they are. But personally, some of my favorites. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
All right. So that brings us to our final category. This is the Hall of Fame. I have a feeling I know Kent's, but I don't know Joel's. We're each retiring a jersey here. Yes. This Up is in the someone who we think the bacon cave. belongs there. Exactly. Yes. So mine's been said, and Zach, you know yes. this one. It's Calvin and Hobbes. Must which be. I think, as soon as you said you're putting it here, I'm like, oh, I know where Kent's putting that one. Yeah, yeah. this one to me is not the most hilarious one. It just captured what, and, and I'm going to be very specific here, but what the American youth is like. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're a young boy, young girl, it's just what growing up in America with some pop culture knowledge. Because he'd sit there and he had a, Calvin had a like a, a great knowledge of sci-fi films, for example. Mm-hmm. And he'd often picture his parents as aliens or yeah. villains. And he would just kind of look out his window sometimes and see this great, and the, the art was amazing yeah. in this comic. And he'd picture this like alien scape outside his room. He was one of the few artists who uh, the, the newspaper allowed him to mess with the space and yeah. like, do different things because he was so good at it. Yeah. And I just, I can't get enough with this one. I give this a Hall of Fame because he knew when to quit. And it's maybe quitting too soon. I remember I was 14 when this thing ended and it felt like a death. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, well, that's not going to be in the paper anymore. Yeah. Can we get reruns? Like it won't matter to me. Mm-hmm. But it there is something special about this. I agree. I think this is maybe not the last great one, but this is one of the absolute great ones. And a lot of cartoonists said the same thing. They're mm-hmm. like, wow, what he's doing. That's amazing. Yes. Like he was, he was also respected and hated. By a lot of other cartoons. Oh, really? As well. well, they just thought that he got way too much leeway for to do what he wanted. Yeah, and car- some other cartoons, it, especially in the Sunday paper, his panels were huge. It took up a lot of space, mm-hmm. and that probably cost the paper a lot of money. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But he deserved it. Yeah. And, and Hobbes as a character is is perfect. I love Hobbes. I, but, I think every boy wants to have a Hobbes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but not Hobbes and Shaw. No, <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes. I and was Shaw. trying to avoid this joke. Yeah, sorry, I went there. Yeah. All right, Joel, I'm really curious. What, yeah, what is your Hall you, of Fame? You've gone with Snoop or Charlie Brown and the gang. Yep. You've mentioned Farside. Yep. You've mentioned Calvin and Hobbes. Yes. What else is there? Someone who hates Mondays. <laughs> oh, oh you would. You would. So Garfield by Jim Davis started in 1978. It chronicles the life of the, the title character Garfield the cat, John Arbuckle, his human owner, and Odie the dog. So Garfield is one of those that everyone knows, whether you saw Garfield and Friends, whether mm-hmm. you've watched the Garfield Halloween special, whether you've Which seen you him also in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Or in the movies. He hates, he hates Mondays and he loves lasagna. Mm-hmm. Very simplistic view of it. I have an example here. It's one of my favorite ones. It's not going to translate well, but holy cow, this made me laugh so hard as a kid. So John is on the phone, he, he, like just starting a phone conversation. He says, hello, Debbie, my sweet. And then Garfield runs by and sneaks the steak off his plate right in front of him. So John like moves the phone away and yells, You fat, greedy pig! I had to shave you bald and put you out in the cold! Oh, and then the phone geez. clicks dead and he goes, Hello? Oh, jeez. I love that, that as a kid. harsh. Uh, I put this in the Hall of Fame because, I mean, it was in 2,580 newspapers and journals. It had the Guinness World Record for being the world's most widely syndicated comic strip. And Garfield has spawned merchandise, just merchandise, earning $750 million to $1 billion annually. Wow. This is a monolith of comics. And I thoroughly... It's one of those that... I'm, I'm, yeah, this is a very predictable comic. And I know that. But at the same time, it's almost comforting to read a Garfield strip and go like, oh, yeah, he, he likes lasagna a lot. It's, it's not even a, a very funny one, but it's familiar. Yeah. And I feel like I like it doesn't make me laugh out loud as much anymore. But mm-hmm. I read it to my kids, or they read it and they enjoy it. 
Fun facts, by okay. the way, uh, the beginnings of it. Jim Davis actually did a comic strip called Norm Nat, uh, which is about a bug. And it did okay, but then the people in charge said, no one can identify with a bug. And so he's like, okay, well, what's, what can people identify with? And he's like, oh, people love cats and dogs. There's a lot of dog uh, comic strips out there. Not as many cats. So he made Garfield. Oh, his a sleepy, lazy cat. cat. He named him and he gave his personality after his grandfather, James A. Garfield Davis, who he, he described as a large, cantankerous man. John Arbuckle was named after a 1950s coffee commercial for Arbuckle Coffee, I believe it was. Uh, Odie was actually his originally John's roommate's dog. He had a, he had a roommate named Lyman. Okay. Lyman got written out, so he adopted him. John killed him? Maybe. Oh, speaking of which, you guys heard of Garfield minus Garfield? Yes. It was really popular about 15 years ago. Yeah. Pre-meme. Yeah. Yeah. So Garfield minus Garfield, someone took the Garfield strips and removed Garfield away. Imagine the sketch that you talked about where he's yelling at Garfield, <laughs> but no one took John's steak. He was just no. on the phone and then he yelled something like that and that's with what no cat being there. And sometimes it's like three panels and it's like just him sitting there by himself and then saying nothing, doing nothing. And yes. the last panel, he's like, maybe I'll go outside. <laughs> and it's one of those absurdist humor type yeah. things. Uh, but it did spawn a huge debate, actually, in my work of whether Garfield can be understood by John or not, whether John understands Yeah, because Odie couldn't speak, but Garfield could? Yeah. And sometimes it would seem like John would respond to Garfield, mm -hmm. but no. In fact, John does not understand what Garfield says. In the cartoon, he, uh, Garfield never moved his mouth. No. I think that was lazy animation as well. Oh, well, that's probably That true. was a little bit cheaper. Um, this, the strip was originally called John, actually, and then they changed to Garfield. Oh, who cares about John? Yeah. Character. And I don't know if you noticed this, Ken. If you read old Garfield versus mm -hmm. new Garfield... Garfield definitely went through some sort of evolution because all of a sudden he began walking on two feet, got a little slimmer, a little taller in that regard. Really? And they did that. He says, well, they're talking to him like, why? And he said, it's to make it easier to push Odie off the table or to reach for a piece of pie. Like, it's much easier to have a fat cat that can stand up rather okay. than just a real, you know, more realistic fat cat. Huh. So, yeah, I think that Garfield is one that uh, he, uh, Jim Davis, still alive, but he only writes uh, writes the idea and then does rough sketches and someone else does it all for him. Uh, I shouldn't say all for him. Someone else colors it and, and makes it nice. Yeah, okay. But I feel like Garfield deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because people still know and love Garfield. It's that merchandise, it's, man. It's yeah. one, Well, it's one of the few on here that actually had an animated cartoon that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you think, At least part of it. And yes. two very successful films. I've live action CGI monstrosities. Well, I, I still, for me, the imagery of Garfield, like all of those, um, like suction cupped to the cars. Yeah. Windows, yeah. You know, that yeah. was huge in the night. That orange tabbies everywhere. And yeah. every time I eat lasagna, I think of Garfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Why does a cat love lasagna so much? I don't know. I really don't know. But actually, in fact, my daughter the other day, uh, well, the day of this recording, mm -hmm. she came in uh, to say goodbye. She's going off to school and she did flop down on like on the bed. Just goes, "Ugh, I hate Mondays. And I went, oh, Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that's a great go. choice. Yeah, because I didn't consider Garfield. And that is a great Hall of Fame choice. Yeah. Love there it. There's our picks. There's yeah. 12 comics. Zach, how are you doing over there? I, I am confused. Did you? I was going to say, out of the ones we talked about, which ones do you remember actually hearing about? I've heard about Dennis the Menace. Uh, I've heard about Doonesbury, but I don't get it because who does? Uh, the Far Side, Family Circus, Calvin and Hobbes, Peanuts, Garfield. 
Okay, so a good smattering of it. The, the big ones. But let us know if we missed any comics you like. Let us know on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Because, hey, if you like this random nost- trip through nostalgia, we may do it again. Because well, there's plenty more to talk about. We should just do live performances of, like, readings of <laughs> these panels. Put that on Patreon. Yeah. Live readings. We'll just read the comics to you. <laughs> Wait a minute. As what, dour as they do. What's the Riverdale one? Oh, Archie? that's Archie. Oh. Yeah. Was that in the paper? Yeah, it yeah. was. <gasps> part two. Not okay. very good. Say yes. part two. Okay. But yeah, let us know if we have uh, what ones are your favorites and let us know what other categories we could do as well because we always love doing these categories. Absolutely. If you sure. like this, let us know. Yeah. So before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. So from the I Am The Listener category, we have Lady Terry A. Finley of Wigtonshire, Sweet Bottom Cakes, Jessica Drought, Sean Sanquist, Just Plain Old Kyther, Jennifer Kilkowski, Braden Winterton, Babs, Alicia Bass, Adrian Gray, Glow, Clan Daniel, Plot Twist Media, Adam and Rachel Crump and Allison Gall. And from the Bacon Council, we have Nicole Deke Hale, Chris Anderson, Ryan and Marley Farron, Stephen Ross, Mots, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, our favorite couple, the Madsons, The Shadow, and Reverse Listener. Thank you, patrons, very much. Thank you, patrons. And thank you if you made it to the end of this episode. You are awesome. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with Quickwits. They're performing for free on Facebook online. For more details, go to qwcom.com or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Tumbling Mustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media. Go ahead and like that Facebook page, Bacon Sale. And then stop by Twitter and Instagram at Bacon Sale. While you're doing that, go to tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale if you want to get yourself some merch, some good t-shirts and whatnot in the store. And then if you'd like to support the show even further, you can go to patreon.com slash Bacon Sale where uh, support and additional content starts at just $3 a month. So until next time, thank you from all of us and not me. <laughs> That's the way my mind works. That's how parody works. Yeah. Oh, I thought of, I thought of a clown doing. No, hey, hey, family friendly. Those were in waiting rooms. <laughs> no, I hate them. All the way back to the Biblia Papernum. Pulitzer and Hearst, they think they got us. Do they got us? No! You're <laughs> anti-newspaper. <laughs> I am. Minimum effort. Yeah. Save it for our font show. I just got my bedtime reminder. Do you watch your mommy? Yeah. And who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> my phone? Yeah. When a watch and a phone love each other very much. Oh, come on. Yeah. Join us, listener, as we take a completely visual medium <laughs> to audio form. See? It works when you explain it. <laughs> What you got there, sport? Uh, Apple. Let's keep going with explanations. <laughs> Gasp and recoil. What a terrible night for a curse. The Back one to basics was tier two, though. Let's be honest. Biting off more than I can chew isn't the problem. It's biting off more than I can work off. Joel, I don't know if you get it. Yet. I get it. God, what's the Exxon crisis? What's happening <laughs> right now? Ten. What's going on? What's in the Suez Canal? And you're gonna ruin the far side a little bit. Local slam. Oh, have you read Dune? Have you read Dunesbury? <laughs> I think maybe Prince Valiant could be the greatest story ever told. Can I wear my short sleeve pants? <laughs> why, why did that get me so That's much? That's it. Nobody yes. likes a narc, sis. A circus family I would watch. <laughs> but not, not the family, family circus. circus. <laughs> I, I love and I fear them okay. at the same time. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Ack!